Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So the whole fan base is uh, in a pretty good place right now. No one's really disagreeing about anything. Uh, everyone's just having a jolly old time. If you asked anyone what it's like to be a fan of the Red Wings, it'd probably just be like a slight pause and then a little smile and say, yeah, it's fine. Right? You ever read up on the Civil War? <laughs> Whoa. Going there fast, eh? <laughs> like Captain America? Any of them, really. <laughs> Winged Wheel Podcast, Civil War. The, our favorite, actually, story arc of this whole podcast. Um, Evan and uh, you are both frigid right now. And I was going to try to do a um, corny joke, like hot takes versus how cold you are sitting in this room, and I had nothing. Uh, and so I'm just going to hand it off to you guys. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm frigid. No, I'm frigid. Who's frigid? Who's the real frigid? Brad's probably frigid. I want- I'm not wearing a winter coat right now. That's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little update on Evan for those who aren't watching on YouTube. Um, full ski jacket, right? Yeah. You you must wear that to ski. No, not this one. Oh, okay. No, the one you wear to ski is lighter, I presume. You need to be more specific. Which one? <laughs> He's got a ski jacket, a snowboard jacket. <laughs> uh drinks at the chalet after jacket i've got a jacket for every temperature range i've got my ultra cold like minus 30 jacket i've got like hold on stop minus six celsius i've got a few options at minus six okay plus four uh that i've so my one jacket you can actually take out the liner and it's basically just a shell it's unreal that's all i'd wear that or just a like a big hoodie minus 16 a lot like everything i've got like four jackets that could all fit into that range god ask me how many winter jackets i own zero (laughs) is it zero one it is one i have a pea coat uh that's nice because i can wear it to work and it's like mildly formal uh and it's those aren't winter coats i only have two of those oh only yeah got it i had one and it ripped so now i have none yeah, and that pea coat actually is my full winter coat. So when it's th- minus 30 outside, I was like, I'm not buying a whole other jacket. That's insane. When it is nice. It, it feels like I'm just being like hugged by a very, very warm oven mitt. When you see people say, eat the rich, they mean Evan. I hope you guys know that. It'll be, just be very difficult because you have to cut through so much jacket before you get any meat. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. But the inside will be nice and warm, like a good steak. Yeah, it will. Yeah, well, medium rare, big time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, low and slow. All right, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, uh, this is kind of a trade deadline fallout, a part two to everything that happened on Monday's uh, trade deadline. Yeah, it's not like anybody had opinions about what we said or anything. Wow. You know what? We're not um, good at being prepared for these kinds of things. I was fully prepared. I ignored everyone. Oh, I, I didn't do a, a good job at that. <laughs> I, made a, I made a lot of enemies this week <clears throat> on Twitter, um, and it, most of it's my fault. I will go out there and say that, and I'll explain more why later. Like, I'm not even being, like, cutesy here. Like, legitimately, I was just being dumb and uh, pissed people off because I'm tired of this season. I said in the Discord, the Patreon Discord, I was like, I just ran out of patience, and I snapped. And Everett was like, you have patience? 
And I was like, yeah, I have a whole keg of patience. There's a brewery down the street and they, we just always make sure we're fully stocked with a keg of patience, pint of patience during the game. That's what I like to say. My patience was great this week. Cause I was telling you before we recorded, I think I wrote out like a dozen tweets where I was just going to snap back at stupid people. And then I was just kind of looked at the tweet and went, is this what I want to deal with for the rest of today? And then I deleted the tweet or didn't send the tweet. <laughs> yeah, I did that twice. And both times I walked away. And then five minutes later, I went, no, no. And I typed out the tweet even more aggressively. <laughs> you know what happened to me 10 minutes after I deleted that tweet? I forgot about it. It was wonderful. Uh, okay. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we are going to be talking about Athanasiu, uh, the divided opinions on that, his time so far in Edmonton, and more. He's a point-per-game player in Edmonton. I hope everybody's happy. We promised we'd talk about the Steve Eisman presser, and then there's that um, very eventful game in New Jersey, and then a couple other small notes about the team. Uh, we'll be talking about e-bugs. David Ayers, Scott Foster, is that a dying breed? Uh, well, we're going to be tackling that because um, it was a topic of discussion at the NHL Board of Governors meeting. And then uh, we'll just do some prospect stuff before going into overtime. All right, uh, the wings. So I put out a poll um, from the podcast account on Twitter, um, at Winged Wheel Pod. Uh, if you guys don't follow it, please do. And for all the new followers who found the show through Twitter, welcome. Um, I put out the poll. What do you think of the Athens U trade? And I had a love it, trust the Iser plan, um, fair value, like don't love it, don't hate it. It was like, yeah, run, run in the mill or um, hate it, sold too low on Athens U. 50% said fair value, like eh, fine. Um, 25% said love it and 25% said hate it. So the takeaway here is 75% of people and we had like 1,400 respond, uh, responses, so it's a, it's a good sample size. So 75% of uh, people who voted were pretty amenable to the trade. They thought, yeah, well, it's at least fine. If not, we love it. It's a good return. Athena see you for two seconds. Uh, 25% of people really hated it, thought we sold low. The only people we heard from since Monday are either of the 25%. Yeah. Boy, is everyone passionate and you know what i get it like i a hundred percent i get it um i think you're allowed to be pretty passionate some people uh took issue with our analysis of it last week and they, they made some pretty good points um i think you're allowed to love athens or i think you're allowed to think that athens wasn't all that he was chalked up to be and, and you can make those points i think between us three we had a pretty wide range of opinions I can't remember what you said. I don't remember either. I was just trying to think about it. Did you get away without saying anything about Athens CU? Mm, no, definitely not. There's, I feel like maybe you and I. I don't really care at the end of the day. <laughs> now that I've had a few days to think about it, I don't care. How can you? Two seconds, whatever. If one turns out to be great, whatever. If both of them don't work, at least we swung the bat. Athens CU wasn't part of the long-term plan. Um, it is what it is. Uh, someone on Reddit made a good point, which is like, it doesn't matter what you think about the uh, the value. At this point, Athanasiu wasn't going to be um, part of the long-term future for one reason or the other organizationally. And uh, by the time this team is competitive again, he won't be near his uh, abilities now. And so, yeah, two second-round picks might not be your favorite, but you need all the darts you can to throw at the dartboard. And I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think 
when we said we were holding out for a first round pick, I think Brad, you came in at like, yeah, he's objectively worth one ish. Um, most years I'd say probably, but not likely based on how everybody, what every other Ford was getting this year, I would have said, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the market essentially was saying you should be getting a first, um, like it's yeah, Kasha, Barclay, Goudreau, uh, Blake Coleman. There were very mediocre forwards going for first round picks this year. So that was, I would way rather have Blake Coleman than Athens to you. I think people I, love his game in New Jersey. They yeah. love the the sort of gritty gameplay he has. And I think he's got does he have twenty goals or my He's five? just over twenty goals, but he's never come close. He's never done this before. Well, if there's a time to get a player on the up or trending above their norm, it's now for Tampa. Mm. Um, and what I thought was, yeah, if you, if you can't get to, or if you can't get a first round pick, or even if he's not objectively worth a first round pick, you have to at least try. And you, as a fan, I think it's fair to hope for that. Like, yeah, I hope we oversell or I hope we, we sell for more than he's worth. That's what we hoped for with Tatar. And that's what happened with Tatar a first, second and a third. So I came in that it was fine. And yeah, everyone's really, really super divided. Uh, it wasn't helped by the fact that Athanasius' first game in Edmonton uh, had a goal and an assist. Isn't he hurt? Yeah, and then hurt yeah. the second game. Ah, uh, nostalgia. Yeah. It's, what a wave washing over me. Yeah, he didn't change at all. I think one thing that really hurts his trade value is he can't play defense worth a damn. Yeah, but nobody on this team can. But We're the worst defensive team in, in the league by country mile. Outside, even without including this year, he's never been able to. And I think that lack of dimension in his game hurts his trade value. So I, I guess now that I've like thought about it, two seconds does feel a little bit okay. But if you go through the top 20 scores in the league right now, you could probably make a very sound case for half of them having no defensive game and nobody complains about it. It's Yeah, but they're in the top half of the goal scores. He's got how many goals six ten he also makes three million dollars a year which is pretty good value for that for 10 goals well on pace for over 20 if without injury well that's a big, <laughs> that's a big asterisk <laughs> this is it's a good fight it was a good back and forth I, you know at the end of the day it's two seconds sometimes you find good players in the second but like we should and that's what Steve Eisenman's alluding to. He's putting the trust in the draft team, the scouting uh, team, to find good players with those picks. And um, I'm glad you mentioned that because after the episode, I decided to do a bit more research. Um, and I was telling Ryan before the episode, I'm like, if I had more time to write an article right now, the article I'd be writing is why second round picks are the most overrated asset in the entire NHL. Because I went back through 10 years of second round picks just to see the frequency of like, not just an NHL player, because I, I was referencing those stats, but an impact player in the second round. Every year averages one, maybe two. And there was more than a handful of drafts where there was zero. Yeah. Like think about what the NHL is. It's essentially the best players in the best league in the world. And if you're not in the one of the best players in your draft class, when usually scouting narrows everybody out into the first round you got a out like a snowball's chance in hell and making the making it full-time in the nhl and being impactful yeah because everybody everybody's uh, i don't know what you want to call it tagline with second round picks is oh it could be the next nikita kucherov two things nikita kucherov was nine years ago do you know how many nikita kucherovs there have been in the second round since nikita he's kucherov? an anomaly none less, zero less than the norm sebastian ajo is as close as you're going to get and beyond them it's a massive drop-off 
the second round player impact player is, I don't want to call it a myth because it happens, but it is literally a lottery. You're not, you're not getting a one in 20 chance of getting one of those players. It's a one in a hundred. It's 10 years of drafts and the amount of impact players that would produce more of an impact on the game than Andreas Athanasius did is staggeringly low. A lot of NHL players in the second round, again, that 40% seemed to hold pretty true just to the naked eye when I was going through. Good players in the second round, so few. So few. So you better damn well hope and pray some of these hits. Now Detroit does have five in the next two drafts. So if anybody's going to hit one, odds are it's them or Ottawa. But again, I... Just because it's the going market value for players and it, it's a valued commodity doesn't make it a good commodity in my mind still. And that I think that's where I fundamentally differ from everybody else because, again, in a vacuum, sure, it's fine. But when you actually dive into the value of a second round pick, which unfortunately I wish I hadn't because it, it's really soured me on a lot of things. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not great. Is was the team in a zero win situation with Athanasiu where you needed to do a frame shift in away from fair value to we need to get as much back as possible on this deteriorating asset? I've I've heard that argument and it's admittedly it's probably the best argument for the trade because hey, he's not he's gonna be 28, 29 by the time the Red Wings are good again. Fair. But would a diminishing Athanasiu, uh, kind of where I fell is, I, I if you look at Athanasiu between what he's likely going to be at the ages from, we'll say 28 to 33. Again, statistically, probably going to be better than what the second round picks are. Probably going to provide more value. He was a cost-controlled asset for the team because he's under contract this year and then he's a restricted free agent. They don't have to give him a, a contract unless he agrees to it, right? They control it. So I, I still don't love it. Um, but it's the best argument I've heard. And I can absolutely say that because, well, if one of these picks hits, they'll, by the time the writings are good, they'll just be getting into the league at 21, 22, 23 years old. And that makes perfect sense. And I will absolutely side with that argument. But I think that's a small argument in the grand scale of the trade. Um, the one thing that I have no time for, and hmm. I will call anybody out on this who who's willing to engage in a conversation, not on Twitter, because I don't have the time for that. <laughs> is can we stop with this BS cycle of Red Wings trade, good player. Red Wings fans, not sure how to feel. Red Wings fans immediately begin to bash player because they want to feel better about the trade. Oh, he was a cancer in the locker room. Says who? Larkin was very... Larkin, the guy who probably knows everybody on this team better than anybody on this team, was visibly upset and frustrated. Athanasiu was traded. Athanasiu himself was upset and frustrated that he was traded. The nucleus of this team, the Larkin, Bertuzzi, Manthas, were his best friends on this team, and they were all sad to see him go. So if you say locker room cancer, straight up bullshit. Not even going to hear that argument. If you want to say, well, there's a disconnect between management, sure, I could see that. Because we, as a fan base, we're all yelling for years, why is he on the third line with Darren Helm? Why is he a healthy scratch? Why aren't you giving him a chance on the top line? We were all yelling reasons for Athanasiu to be upset, and now we're angry he was upset. We don't even know he was because nothing has been proven. Nothing has been like actually come out in the light. This specific incident happened or this specific thing was said. Nothing. But yet we're all 
we all spend years justifying why he could be upset and then we're angry if he was. It's stupid. All of this crap, the same thing happened when Tatar was traded. The same thing happened when Mrazic was traded. Just knock that shit off. I do not buy into it. I don't care. It's not a value valid excuse for it. He wasn't in the future plans because he Eisenman didn't want him to be here. Why? Until I hear a why, I'm not going to hear that. His defensive game sucked. Uh, agreed. Wholeheartedly still brings value to the team. That's not an, uh, an argument that just wipes that the rest of his game away. He was an asset on the power play. He was an asset at even strength. He created scoring chances. He scored goals. Again, I know I mentioned a lot last episode on a team that scores the fewest goals in the NHL. Do you guys see it was the tweet from uh, Angles where he said he interviewed a player and it was a veteran and the, the veteran Red Wings player said something like, we kept trying to tell him you can't just go skate through everyone. You have to try going around them, blah, blah, blah. You're just going to end up giving it away. And, you know, he never listened to us. I'm paraphrasing. Um, and this was a veteran player. And my immediate thought when I read that was, what veteran players are on this team that has any business? This has been here that? for more than five years. <laughs> the funniest response to that that I saw was, imagine it was Mike Green. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn it. <laughs> That backfired traded, anonymously. Traded to a team of guys who are skilled enough to just go through the other team. Honestly, like, again, I, I don't think this discussion should frame anything different than our opinions that we we mentioned on the trade deadline uh, recap episode, which is a sliding scale. But in general, yeah, like a fine return was hoping for more, but this isn't the end of the world or like, yeah, this is a fair value and um, it sucks to move on from a player like this, but this is kind of what a, a terrible rebuild. This is how terrible rebuilds are. You have to do things like this. Um, that hasn't changed. Um, but like Brad mentioned this whole, the revisionist um, stuff about character or the pot shots at someone who just left. It's like, it's kind of crappy to see. Um, the, uh, press conference that happened after, um, it was kind of a wild press conference. Like there were some pointy questions pretty much asking whether Eisenman should draft Askarov. And I'm like, what a bizarre thing to ask. Um, and, and no offense to who asked it. I, I'm not sure who asked it, but like, it just felt weird. Um, because it, are we way off in saying that the, the Red Wings don't need a goalie with their top four pick like they need a goalie i wouldn't use it on a top four pick right like the the, the, there's a reason i have my askarov theory of them trading back into the first round to get him by some means because philip larson could still be good petrozelli could still be good jesper eliason could still be good but they don't have anybody in the system right now that's looking like a good bet a couple decent bets maybe some long shots but eh, nobody that you're that you're um, really, really counting on at this point. So, yeah, I could see them targeting Askarov. I think they're insane if they do it in the top four. Um, the presser had, uh, honestly, there's a question about retiring Fedorov's number, uh, which I really appreciated it, actually, because I'm like, well, he's not giving, Eisenman doesn't, uh, he's he's not like a, a press general manager like that's not what he does he doesn't prepare his answers and he's never going to go in and just let something slip that's just not the kind of gm he is he's pretty ironclad for a reason um so they asked him about fedorov and i was like great <laughs> i like that uh, his answer about fedorov was um it's not my job to tell the illiches what to do but it is something that's going to be considered which in my mind means someday like someday um 
things that he was asked in the press conference where I'm like, that's genuinely an interesting answer. Not the Athanasiu stuff. He was pretty ambivalent on the whole Athanasiu thing. Just said, like, this could have gone anyway, and we we got what we thought was fair. Uh, but he was asked about Blashill. And he's reiterated uh, nothing new, but maybe something that the fan base needed to be reminded of because it's been so long since we've had the discussion about Blashill, which is that uh, this was Eisman's expectation. He actually said, I set the expectation with Blashill before the season. So when we joked and said, like, Eisman must have told him, he literally did. Like, he set the expectation before the season, wins are not going to be the measure of your success. Um, and then there's pointed questions about will Blashill come back? And he said, I can't answer something like that. Like we have to evaluate these things as they go. Um, but I think Jeff Blashill has done a great job so far and, uh, I haven't had any, uh, thoughts to not bring him back. So read into that what you will. He said something to that effect. He used a lot of words there to say absolutely nothing. I think he said Blashill is going to come back. I think he said he's not going to rock the boat right now. That's my guess. Um, Okay, well, the whole I set the expectations before the year. I'm sure the expectations weren't worst team of the cap era. Um, I'm sure the expectations weren't every single player on this team, save for two, maybe three regresses as a player, including a lot of your key players. I'm sure the expectations weren't. Well, if there was any locker room dissension, that being a part of it, which it doesn't look like there is, but I don't know. I, I read into that nothing because no coach is going to, no gym is ever going to say, yeah, no, we're going to hang on to him to the end of the year and let him go then. They're not going to say it. You have to be positive. Remember, what was it? The Leafs a bunch of years ago had a press conference similarly where they backed up Randy Carlisle, gave him an extension and then fired him. Like a week later, that might've been Ron Wilson. I might be getting him mixed up, but it GMs lie. That's the reality of it. They just lie. And at the end of the day, wins and losses do matter at some point. Cause they are like a, a blanket way of measuring your success. Like if he was doing well at his job, they, you know, they would still have losses. Like you can't deny the lack of talent, but it wouldn't be historically bad. They'd, you'd hope they'd have more than 15 wins going into March. Like, if you're doing something well, that would feed into the wins and the losses. Well, I guess the wins. If you're doing something bad, that feeds into the losses, regardless of the talent that you have on a roster. I think I think Eisenman had a conversation with him and said, hey, uh, this team that I inherited is uh, absolutely garbage. Uh, I can do a couple things to help it a little bit, but not much. So I'm not even going to do those things because I want to guarantee that we have the worst overall pick because, look, Ottawa has set, uh, the Sharks' pick as well. So we need to maximize our chances because you want to know what helps a rebuild? Uh, a game-breaking franchise player. Look at Toronto and look at what we had in um, Tampa Bay. Look at essentially every good team. Yeah. So he's like, this team's gonna, this year's gonna suck, and I'm not gonna help you at all by bringing in good players. I'm gonna bring in warm bodies at best. Um, it's gonna suck hard. I don't know how hard, but it's gonna suck hard. And I'm sure uh, he didn't go in and say, yeah, you're gonna lose 50 plus games this year. But I'm sure he didn't go in and said, you can't lose 50. I, I don't think he went in and said, you can't lose 50 plus games. I think Eisenman probably thought that was within the, the realm of possibility. And the guy's a good. Uh, assessor like he, he has a good assessment of teams and teams outlooks and of players abilities like those are part of eisman's talents as a gm so i can't see how he would have gone into the season giving any coach the roster that he gave Blashill, uh thinking that they would do better than this they what like what realistically could what difference can Blashill have made with this roster plus five wins on and the 
best of circumstances. I would have not had this conversation quite as often if he did have five plus more wins. When you're having a historically bad year, you have to reevaluate from top to bottom. You want to know what five more wins puts them in the standings? A bajillion points behind. Yeah, still last. Yeah, like by a, but it's still. Like we're then we're not really talking about historically bad. We're talking about a really really bad team. I don't think Eisenman cares about that. He uh, should he? Y- yeah. You have Christopher <laughs> N on your power play, and you should it's care. Embarrassing. About- of course it is, but that's what he inherited. That's what he inherited. But don't then don't but don't tell me that it doesn't matter about wins and losses just because your team is garbage. I feel like that's the best excuse to say it doesn't matter. No, because okay, you know, if we were <laughs> if we were like six points behind the la- the second last place team, or like ten points, but what are we like twenty almost at this point? Why would you want that though? Because six points is what they were uh, last year. Like that that's the the lead they had on last place last year at some point. Then they went like seven two and one in their last ten. Yeah, but being historically bad means there's something historically bad about your team. Yeah, who like who cares? The Leafs. Uh, am I, I am I defending Blashill? I think you I are. Know. Are you warming up? Do you want to take off that coat? <laughs> I'm a warm body. Put me out there. Uh, yeah, you would have been too. I have much to be skating man. around with a gas mask it, on, trying to keep my <laughs> oxygen inside me. Ten years from now is when when I assume to play you on this team. And I'm not trying to make an inherent declaration on yeah, Blashill deserves to come back or yeah, he doesn't. Like I have my qualms with him. Away from wins and losses, I think the way he handles lines is like mind numbing, and I think the way he's handled some uh, young players has been, um, like Brad mentioned before, like I would not have made the decisions he made. I'm not an NHL coach, certainly not paid like one, um, but I, I, I'm not saying that he's definitely my favorite coach in the world. I can say I understand the reasoning behind bringing him back if Eisman does. I mean, he, I don't. I don't see anything. I don't see any redeeming quality. Special teams sucks. The systems suck. The player deployment sucks. The handling of the rookies sucks. Uh, well, the, not not even that it matters that much because freaking Eisenman's keeping them all away from Blashill, not Blashill specifically. But I just, I'm, I struggle. You have fifteen wins going into March. This is a t- a roster very devoid of talent. But they ain't that far behind some of the teams in 30th, 29th, 28th. You can't look at Ottawa and say they are infinite. They are 20 points better than Detroit. Ah, man, I don't know. They do not have a Dylan Larkin on that team. They do not have an Anthony Mantha on that team. No, but they had a Pajot. They have a Shabbat. They have Kachuk. Tell me who their starting goalie is right now. Craig Anderson. Nope. Uh, Golubov, the defenseman that we took from the off waivers. Again, I look at a team like that that is almost, if not more, devoid of talent than the Red Wings are, and they are performing 20 points better. I'm with you, Ryan. It's a good thing for the long run that this team's not in dead last, but you can't judge Jeff Blashill by saying, oh, he kept us way away from 30th. Good for him. That's not a that's not a compliment. Jeff Blashill, for the long run of the organization, has done a very good thing for them this year. I don't think that makes him a good coach. It's quite the contrary. Okay, so would you this is this is where I fall in this now. And would you guys think that this is agreeable? I don't think Blashill's the coach of the future, but I don't think it's the end of the world if the 
bring him back one more season because the team is going to suck no matter what. No, I will say it's the end of the world if they bring him back for one more season because the uh, one okay, because this is why again I'm gonna agree with you, wins and losses do not matter. Next year is the year where we're getting two to four of our first round picks up in the NHL full time, and he is not the guy I want managing them. He has shown time and time again his arguably biggest flaw as a coach is what he does with the young players on this roster. I do not want him as the guy handling Rasmussen, Chalosky, Zadina. Who else could be up next year? Cider. I, this is not the guy I want developing these players. Larkins regressed this year. Athanasiu regressed this year. Um, Chalosky regressed this year. 90% of this, the only like success stories he has this year is what? Heronic and Bertuzzi? Bernier, if you want to count but goalies. I'm not counting goalies for this. Come on. <laughs> he's, he's got maybe two success stories on this team. I'm sorry. I don't love those odds. I want someone else in here guiding the ship. And again, the most important thing is, though, is you have to look ahead. You can't just say this coach sucks. You have to look forward to your next coach. Well, we are going into one of the richest free agent markets for coaches we've maybe ever seen. Uh, that's a great point. So if you're ever going to move on for, from him, it's when you're staring at Gerard Gallant, Bruce, Bruce Boudreau, uh, Peter Laviolette. There's a lot of talent out there that can come in and Lambert. Not Lane Lambert um, and turn this team around. There's a lot of, again, Lane Lambert's in the world of unknown coaches that are very much worth taking the gamble on that are available out there. It is a very, very rich market for coaches, and it would be a mistake to not capitalize on a team that's been declining rapidly under Blashill's tutelage, and he doesn't have a lot of success stories in terms of developing players. So I, I, it sounds extreme to say I can't think of a good reason to bring him back. All right, I am going to move us along to uh, the Red Wings game against New Jersey, which was boring for like 55 minutes. Yeah, I turned it off. Yeah, well, mistake. Um, very obviously, because uh, that game went south fast. Uh, earlier, there was a, a back and forth between Red Wings players and Jack Hughes pretty much the whole game. And if I told you I know exactly where it started, I'd be lying. I don't know if there was like a little chip play or trash talking that I missed. But the really first big moment came when Jack Hughes was floating around in this, uh, the Red Wings slot, uh, kind of staring at the puck that was hanging around near his feet and Tyler Bertuzzi came and laid out a beautiful clean hit on him. Um, clean. And New Jersey Devils fans on Twitter were pretty upset after the game, like Red Wings fans were. And uh, a few of them, not a ton, but a few of them said it was blindside or it was like a cheap shot or whatever. And it was like, it's objectively the most clean hit you can ask for in that situation. Like it's a, it was a perfect hit. Um, so one of them joked, they're like, Red Wings fans are just upset because that's one of their highlights of the season. I'm like, yeah, it actually is. <laughs> it quite literally is. And so I quote tweeted my the clip of the hit and I said, like, you're wrong. If you, like, you can hate Tyler Bertuzzi. Like, that's fine. I'm, plenty of people do. Uh, but that's a perfect hit and you're wrong if you think otherwise. And that blew up. So it made it seem like I was making it's out to seem like a hundred people were saying this is a dirty hit, which wasn't really the case. It was just some like loud jerks that I want to talk to all at once without responding to them. But it was a really nice hit. If you guys haven't seen it regardless uh, early or halfway through the third period, I believe it was, there's a play in the corner where uh, Fabry um, laid a weird hit on, on Hughes in passing. 
there was no clear angle of it. Devils fans are saying that uh, Fabry got his elbow up. Uh, Fabry's elbow did go up during the follow-through. I'm not sure if he actually clipped Hughes. He very well may have. It wasn't a huge play regardless. And then Hughes came out and laid a brutal knee-on-knee hit on Fabry. Like, this was... I, am I crazy? Like, that's intentional, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think he meant to knee him, but he was definitely going to try and take any piece of him that he could, and he didn't care what it was. Ended up getting a two-minute tripping penalty and no supplemental discipline, no even conversation about it, which blew my mind. Uh, Fabry, Fabry's not playing tonight. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday right before the Minnesota Wild game, uh, and Fabry's not playing. He was missed less than two minutes of ice time. I don't understand that one. Wait, we scored? Oh, they scored. Wow. Yeah. That wow. Was, Way to make him pay. That was uh, Bertuzzi, who really had a hell of a game um, with the beautiful pass in front uh, to Philpula. Yeah. Who a d- classic. Yeah, score. absolutely. Despite his best urges, <laughs> shot the puck and it went in. Uh, f- for those of you who are wondering, that was not Fabry's bad knee that he's had two surgeries on. That would be his left knee. This one hit his right knee. But It's going to be Lieutenant Dan in no time. <laughs> oh, my God. Poor dude. Can't catch a break. Blashill seems to think it's not serious, and Fabry has been skating, so luckily it seems like he avoided anything too major. Um, yeah, just it left a sour taste in everyone's mouth, though. Which Everyone, the temperature went up. It did, as was evidenced because towards the end of the game, uh, Bertuzzi uh, skated and uh, rubbed Hughes out on the boards. Um, again, this was another purported case of a high hit. I actually don't think this one at all was a high hit. I think uh Bertuzzi just skated with him an extra second after he lost the puck and rubbed him out on the boards he turned around then he took a cross check to the face from uh John Hayden of the Devils this was a brutal cross check to the face like that was a devastating cross check to the face he got five minute major in a game uh game misconduct got booted from the game um and then the supplemental discipline was a fine hey you you can blame Chara for it. Yeah, the, I can't. You can't even be surprised. <laughs> the one time NHL Department of Player Safety has some sort of consistency. Yeah, they 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 got it right. They got it wrong the first time. <laughs> because they got it wrong the first time, they got it right on this one. You know, I had a line in my uh, tweet, and this is me being a, a jerk. Uh, my tweet about the Bertuzzi hit being clean. I was like, blah blah blah. It's objectively clean. Uh, I was like. Sometimes your favorite player is going to get knocked over. That's hockey. And yeah, like, it's a big boy sport. It's a, and that's it's a, a man's li- sport. And that's a lesson that like I need to take myself because sometimes I overreact to things that happen to like Heronic or Mantha or whatever, and I just I get a little bit too into it. And then you have to remember that sometimes these things just happen to players, whether it's a clean hit or a dirty one, and um, you can't pretend to be objective and then only lose it sometimes. So uh, that's me. I have to take a little bit of my own medicine there, and I'll admit that. But genuinely. Hughes took a clean hit. He was watching his feet in the slot. I like Jack Hughes. I like watching him play. I don't think he's a bust at all. I think he's going to be a great player for the Devils. I think he'll be uh, a a cornerstone of their franchise moving forward. He got knocked over. Um, Devils fans, and a lot of people were coming back and saying, oh, yeah, um, sure, that was a clean hit, but the uh, elbow or the high hit along the boards at the end of the game means he deserved a cross check to the face. Really? Is that where we're at? And you know why those people have the liberty and the uh, the chutzpah to come out and say that? Is because of the Department of Player Safety has set the standard that hitting someone in the face with a hockey stick is worth relative pocket change. 
It's a cup of coffee to them. Well, it's not relative pocket change. It's like, it's nothing. They spent that much at the team dinner when they go play in New York. Like one guy will pick up the tab for the, his six buddies that he's with, and that's how much he'll pay for dinner. And they had a good time doing that. And they had a good time. <laughs> and I bet John Hayden had a good time cross-checking Tyler Pertuzzi oh, man, in the I would, face. Man, for 2000 bucks, whoever I hated most in the league, I would just go out there and knock all their teeth out. To I be honest, that's... That's the precedence they're setting. That is. I don't make a million bucks and I pay two grand to cross check Brad in the face. I work at yeah, the public too, sector. actually. <laughs> hey, you want to go have these? Go fund, <laughs> yeah. go fund me. Do I get to collect the four grand out of this? Yeah, I'm sure. I don't care. <laughs> it goes to a charity, I think, right? Yeah. That's what they do. Is that what they do with the fines in the NHL? Uh, the player, uh, it's a player fund, like a retired alumni fund, I believe. Uh, or at least that's what it used to oh, be. There's going to be a lot more cross checks to the face then. Well, it's a future investment. Zidane Ochara. Exactly. Zidane Ochara, who had no argument, had more of an argument than John Hayden. Zidane Ochara is a tall guy, and sometimes you just take shots in a scrum where you cross-check someone in the chest. That happens. It's not good, but it happens. John Hayden cross-checked him in the face atten- intentionally. Intentionally. And you give him a max fine. And I wasn't surprised. I was expecting it. But it's still such bullshit because you've now legislated through precedent that attacking someone in the face where your teeth and your eyes and your mouth and your nose are with a hockey stick means you can play the next game. What? You know what? I like uh, Violent Gentleman. I think it's a cool company. I think they have cool merch. Um, George Peros owns Violent Gentleman or is a part owner of it. And their uh, slogan is make hockey violent again. And I always laughed at that. I was like, well, well George Peros can separate his personal feelings and, you know, call the NHL uh, by the rule book in terms of suspensions. I don't believe that anymore. He needs to go. He, like He's legitimately making it okay for uh, players to be attacked and injured uh, through deliberate violent attacks on the ice there's no a there's no standard of what he'll suspend and what he won't and there is too large of a pool of genuinely atrocious plays that just go unchecked do not be surprised to see an increase in dumb shit like this players attacking each other with their sticks the next uh, director of the Department of Player Safety needs to be someone who's never played hockey in their life. Just someone uh, like neutral who can look at stuff like that and go, oh, Jesus Christ, why did he do that? Yeah. 12 games. What the hell was that? Are you kidding me? Get like, like a, oh, it's a hockey play. I don't give a shit. Get him out of here. That was awful. Get like a family court judge. Like people who can show actual like sympathy and empathy. But judge be- Judy, she's coming in. Is Both she- the, the persecutor and the defender have to come in to the courtroom <laughs> broadcast it on TV. This is an entertainment business and she'll deliberate the trial right then and there. I would happily reduce player suspensions. If I got to watch them on live TV, try to try to explain and justify why they did what they did. Like what John Hayden. Yeah. Okay. We, we can reduce this. If you can tell us a good reason why you cross checked him in the face. Uh, there was a fly on his nose. I was getting it for him. Okay, John, you can have three games. I was uh, I was more of a people's court person myself, but Judge Joe Brown. Yeah, Judge Joe Brown was a good one. No free ads. I'm not sure they they don't need our, they don't need they our don't money. Need they our make ads. a lot of money. Judge Judy is like more than Oprah rich. I think 
yeah, she makes she makes a lot of money. I was. It's funny you guys brought her up today because I was literally just reading an article that came off of Reddit about how she's one of the worst judges and has the most overturned cases in the world. <laughs> yeah, she hates single mothers. Yeah, but she's just like she's just the like that five minute express like car wash or car cleaning or dry cleaning. You get in, you get a result, you get out. What you do after that is your own business. Uh, the funniest part of that whole scrum, like nothing to that point was funny. I think either side could be angry, but whatever happened. The funniest part is when PK Subban did his usual, um, pe- oh my god, peacocking, coming in asking for a fight, but only doing it when the person who's challenging was being held back. Funny thing, how he's been trying to fight Larkin and Bertuzzi for two games now and hasn't managed to do it. Crazy that it's like that internet meme where the two dogs are like growling at each other on their leash, and when the leashes break, they like look at each other and then just walk away. Yeah, that's exactly it. One of the best clips of the year so far is uh, PK Subban throwing his glove at Tyler Bertuzzi as both of them are being held by refs, and then as Tyler is trying to go at him for a fight, and PK is going off the ice later, like a minute later, Bertuzzi throws his glove at him. And that was just the most like the beautiful game moment because it was so ridiculous. Uh, I do a lot of defending a Subban. I like him as a hockey player. I felt a big twinge of just like all the people who have hated him from the start saying like he's just peacocking because that's what he did. I hate him so much. He didn't take a single fight. Like you want to fight that badly, you could have fought. Look at the last fight he was in. He got absolutely dummied by a 19-year-old. That's embarrassing. He should be embarrassed. Who did he fight? Brady Kachuk. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for what could happen next time I play though because last game it was just talking. This game, they threw gloves at each other. <laughs> Next game, they might literally take their sticks and throw them at each other like javelins. <laughs> I, for one, am excited about the possibilities. It here. won't be this year. I already looked to see if they play. Uh, honestly, with the way Red Wings games are going, that's probably safer for them than what's happening now. Like Fabry and N both left that game. Like that. And that was a, a slow game for injuries. Yeah, that was a, a colorful game. It's funny because uh, Mel and I were watching a show, and I usually, a lot of the times when it's like a bad game, and like that game, Gagne and Timoshov both couldn't play because they hadn't had their visa issues sorted out yet. They're in tonight, right? Uh, I think Gagne, I'm not sure about Timoshov. Mm. Um, Ukrainian, Swedish guy who was playing in Canada, hard for him to He's figure Ukrainian? Yep. He's now my favorite player on the Red Wings. Ukrainian, Swedish. I believe he played for the Swedish national team. So he's Swedish in terms of international. Play. Dimitro and Timoshov definitely sound Swedish. For sure. Like Johnny Oduya. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so without Timoshov, without Gagne, one less Athens to see you, Hironic out. Uh, the biggest boon they got was like Golubev. I was like, I'm not expecting a lot. Hey, Hironic's back tonight. He's back tonight. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'll watch this game literally in the background. Like I'll have it on my headphones, like low volume, and I'll just have it like off to the side. Uh, Mel and I were watching something and she goes, how much is left in your game? I'll pause this. And I saw, I was like, oh, four minutes, 40 seconds left. I was like, this will be done within 10 minutes. It was not. <laughs> it certainly was not. Um, yeah, that game went south fast. A lot of anger. Yeah, New Jersey Twitter is the most recent one to get really mad at me. But I just, I didn't have it in me to to be patient and have a, uh, you know, a nuanced discussion and allow them to see my points on things. I just, I just was like, this is dumb. You just said a dumb thing. Ryan, buddy, I'm going to teach you the mental freedom of just ignoring people. It, it was a fantastic week for me. I was able to up until uh, after the deadline. Before the game, I was like, oh, that wasn't the end of the season. And I had to keep watching games. I'm like, I can do this, not with patience. That's it. I just Again, type out the tweet and just, and just look at it and go, is this what I want to deal with for the rest of the day? Any tweet that we type out from now on, we'll just send to Evan in a text. 
No, thank you. <laughs> Not only will they never read it, I'll never read it. Uh, fun fact, Evan actually charges us for taking up his time. And it's not cheap. Brad and I owe him a lot of money. I should. That joke you had just reminded me of one of the best dad jokes I remember. It's like someone, my psychiatrist told me once, uh, if you ever need to get your rage out, write letters to the people you hate, but then burn them. So now I don't know what to do with all these letters. (laughs) We can do like a meetup where we just have a big bonfire of all of our bad feelings about this year. We'll have to do it somewhere really remote. <laughs> do you think Ford Field was less just <laughs> uh, No, because they didn't say okay to the retractable roof, so it might actually hit the ceiling and burn the place uh, down. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, before- but then we could give it the retractable roof. It yes, just, we could. It just wouldn't be able to close again. Hey, Ford family, we just saved you a whole lot of money. Maybe now we'll get an MLS team. Um, the uh, Before next episode, uh, Podcast. We have tonight's game against Minnesota and uh, Saturday Saturday Lottery Bowl game against Ottawa. Um, Hell yeah, we can win that game. Just kidding, we can't. Yeah, you'd actually want Ottawa to win that one though because you want to reduce their chances because they're they are well clear of Detroit's chances. They're at twenty percent right now. Ryan, I need two months of my life of cheering for the Red Wings to win. For the love of God, it's been so long. Um, anything else with the Red Wings? Um, there was a rumor of Sveshnikov maybe going back to the KHL, but his agent nixed that pretty quickly. Can we stop with these rumors? Okay, if McKenzie... We got to establish some rules. If McKenzie or Friedman doesn't tweet it, it didn't happen, and it's not happening. Can we just stick to that, please? Yeah, I didn't mind the chatter with this one because it kind of like sat and brewed for like... 24 hours before anyone said anything. Um, Cause yeah, the and Rus- it came from a Russian site and they were like hit or miss on whether or not it was valid. So I think it was okay to talk about it, but um, it was good to hear that the agent came out and said it wasn't yeah, not the first time an agent has un- unreportedly floated that their player is going to go somewhere else. Yeah. But they usually don't come out and like wholeheartedly nix it like that. Cause it's in their best interest to try to pressure the team to give them a spot. Right. And well, so, it's a tactic to do that. Just mind games just because he's bored. Yeah, because of all yeah. the Russian players who are going to go back to Russia, it's going to be the one who came over to North America when he was like 16. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and on a team that's got ample spots for the picking. He, he'll be up. He has to be up next year. He's not waiver eligible. We don't have a choice. Um, and his knees should be more or less as close to 100% as it ever will be next year. Um, and speaking of players going up and down, Cholosky was recalled today. Neat. The uh, <laughs> Someone asked him if he's going to focus on reducing mistakes, and I think his answer was not word for word, but pretty much, oh, fuck it, man. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go out there and play. Like, w- What is there to lose this season? What a dumb question. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not. Uh, the, the coaching staff's asking me to be more assertive, and you're asking me if I'm going to make less mistakes. Let me explain to you how hockey works. Hey, uh, Dennis, we literally just had to learn the name and career of a guy whose name is Cody Golubev. What are you going to go out there and do tonight? Hmm. Thank you for your question. Goodbye. <laughs> That's how we should have answered. Uh, okay. The e-bug situation. Emergency backup goalie. This is a stupid conversation. You're a stupid conversation. Usually. <laughs> yeah. Why is it stupid? Give us a background and tell us why it's stupid. Because it's fun. So why are we going to get rid of something that's fun? Um, two, people think that these players who end up as emergency goalies are just schlubs that they pulled out of a random beer league. No, almost all of them have played some sort of high-level hockey, so it's not like they're capable goaltenders. 
And C, who are you going to replace them with? Because if there are goalies available who are better than them, they're probably already in the AHL, ECHL, some European league where they're actually collecting a paycheck playing hockey. The uh, pool of goalies who are good enough to tread water in the NHL, but not actually carve a career in the NHL is very small. And that's who these guys are. So I would love to know how much you would have to pay a guy to pull him out of like Sweden or the ECHL to have him travel with the team or whatever in order to justify this. Right. But the uh, th- that's assuming that they're just going to come in and say like it has to be pros. I don't think that's it. I think maybe their gripe might be, hey, we ran into a situation where a team affiliated like an employee of an organization oh, came in. Oh, if your argument is, yeah, you can't have a Leafs employee playing against the Leafs. I, uh, sure, I'm totally on board with that. Yeah. But you're still going to be plucking guys who are essentially playing beer leagues after their junior or pro career ended. And that's fine. Like, I actually, like, like we like fun. We like wacky things. I'm really, like, romantic about the Scott Foster, David Ayers situation. You just love when there's an emergency backup goalie situation. I think if that was a playoff game, like, imagine that's game seven of... Uh, the first round of the playoffs, and this guy has a chance to let in six goals and see his team through to the second round for the first time in a while. Like that's a real risk. Yeah, that's the, the the problem is the team owned resource, right? Like it's not the fact that it's this random dude who hasn't doesn't have pro experience. Is the fact that he's a like MLS for all intents and purposes is an MLSC employee. My yeah, my take on this is that they're just putting a little bit more regulation around something where um A, they don't want to see a guy get hurt and B, they want to make sure it's a completely fair scenario. But if the people who are angry about this are right and they are gonna come in and say you can't have just these college um like former college players or former like junior B, junior A players playing, then I agree and I'm upset because I don't think it should change. Um it's uh, you, because like Brad said, there's a limited amount of NHL caliber goaltenders, or if you're much better than what they already said, then they are playing in like the ECHL or the USHL or something like that. Yeah. They're not going to sit in the stands for a career. They're going to play. I'm kind of surprised each team doesn't have one and it's not driven by him just being in the arena. And it, it's the, well, he is the designated emergency goalie. But He's he been works at every for, game. So this should have been known in advance, right? That he works for yeah. Toronto. Like, wouldn't that be a red flag before this issue ever comes up? Like, you'd have to look at who all your emergency backup goalies are and be like, oh, this one guy actually works. I don't think there's any regulation or like auditing of there this must process. There mustn't. Well, it's like such a fluke thing yeah. that happens. So there mustn't be, but. Yeah, when you see him go out with some blue pads and a blue helmet on, I'm like, this guy's got the wrong jersey on. That's and he could honestly just, if he wanted to, stand beside the net and just let pucks in. Like, what would the NHL be able to do? Nothing. That's he's within his the rules of the of the game <laughs> and what they've they've the framework of it to just stand there. And if he was a diehard Leafs homer, he could. Just swing the game for them. I mean, obviously, he was in David Ayer's act with integrity. and uh, Yeah, thank God. Did, did the hockey world a, a justice by stealing two points from the Leafs? Um, but, again, and that, that's assuming that our take on this is correct. The league v- could very well be looking at this and saying the Leafs just lost two points to a you know uh, backup 
or an emergency goaltender. Um, I will never defend the this is an embarrassment. Scenario, by the way, <laughs> what if they feel like? What if they're looking at this and saying like, "This is bush league. This isn't a good look." Meanwhile, every fan is like, "This is fun. This is fun." E buck, e buck, e buck. That does seem like something the NHL would do. NHL is allergic to fun, and this is the point. This is an entertainment product. That's what the NHL is, and I know I beat that drum on here a lot. We were all thoroughly entertained so the nhl was achieving their objective which was entertaining their fans scott foster is how many years ago we still quote it all the time we still love the guy it's still a great story this is why we watch sports so yeah if they want to keep throwing random beer leaguers in the stands it's fine i'm totally cool if they don't they mandate it you can't work for the team you actually have to pull some neutral observer and have him at your games fine cool but you can't change this system too dramatically anyway so keep having fun with it and since how many times has this happened in the history of the nhl twice i don't think it's as big of an issue as it matt duchene went offside once and ruined hockey two emergency goalies happened and now they're trying to ruin it just it's fine leave it yeah there can only be so many goalies that go out to the blue line to play the puck morazic's a special breed (laughs) You can cry. You can swing your stick at someone's face, but if you dare play goalie in the NHL without being a goalie that we thought should be a goalie, you son of a <laughs> look at the look at how much like news like coverage this has gotten. He's going on Tonight shows. He's going, yeah, he's going on Good Morning America. Like he's going down there cranking their horn thing. Like he's got they're making t- Jersey T-shirts after him. This. This story is huge. This transcends the ho- like hockey and sports in general. Like that's on the news and like it's like on BBC News. And relative to the NHL, you know why they should enjoy this? Two That's exposure. Free advertising. Spread no throw free the game. No free ads on this podcast, but the NHL is getting a ton of it. Gary Bettman's going to be up in the press box with a sniper rifle on all the goalies' heads from now on. He's like we just need emergency backup goalies in all the time now. And oh, if he was smart, he would be. And they're just trying to think of the best fun story. They're like, okay, we need like a one-legged cancer survivor in the stands to go in because this will blow up. And then just they'll make all the Leafs use wrong-handed sticks when he goes in. So. When you when you have people uh, who never think about hockey and are all of a sudden learning terms, like learning rules of the game just because David Ayers stopped eight shots – you take that and you run with it. I do not understand the aversion to growing the game. The NHL only ever seems to want to grow the game with people who already watch hockey. No. Get the get the parents who, are watch, who watch morning shows every day rather than sports at night. Get them to learn a little bit more about the game. And all of a sudden, they watch hockey. They like it. They put their kid in the sport. And their kid's the next Austin Matthews. The NHL was right to expand the game, expand hockey to the desert. A a former Phoenix Coyotes, now Arizona Coyotes program is what brought Austin Matthews into the sport. And he's the best goal goal scorer of his generation. When Ovi retires, it'll be Matthews who's the best goal scorer. Why not keep going with that? No, nah, can't have it. Anyways, this is all before the board of governors recommended any changes. So, before we get too upset or not upset enough, we'll see what they come out with. Could be a big to-do about nothing. Uh, as a lot of this is. Uh, speaking of which, uh, let's do a tankathon. 
Let's not. They've been sad lately. <clears throat> because currently the Ottawa Senators have, ooh, uh, not 20%, a 21% chance at first overall. So 2.5% better than Detroit between their pick and San Jose's. Because San Jose continues to suck. Ottawa continues to suck. Um, 11.5 plus 9.5% is more than Detroit's 18.5. So we were we we're going to go ahead and simulate the lottery. Oh my god, piss off. I can't see it. First overall pick by way of San Jose, Ottawa. Second overall pick, Ottawa. That makes me want to throw up. Third overall pick, the LA Kings. This is going to happen. Ottawa's drafting 1-2. There's a reality. It's a very unlikely reality, but there's a, a reality. Ottawa drafts 1-2-4. I don't think the Islanders fall that far, but in theory. If the draft lottery goes New Jersey, Ottawa, Ottawa, is there an actual riot in front of NHL headquarters? Yes, because I will start it. That is probably worst outcome, right? For the NHL or for us? For us. For us. No, no, no. If Toronto gets in there, that's far worse. If New Jersey gets a third first overall pick, if Ottawa did nothing wrong. Ottawa played this perfectly. Perfectly. You, you cannot be mad at Ottawa. The only aversion to Ottawa getting the first like two top three picks is um, they're in the Atlantic division, and that's already a stacked division. And as a Red Wings fan, you don't want that. But if New Jersey gets first overall pick again, I will lose it. Okay, let's imagine the Islanders fall out of a playoff spot and Ottawa goes one two three can you just they can't it's lottery protected oh lottery you keep telling me that and i keep forgetting because i'm a stupid stupid lottery protected so they could the best that pick could be for ottawa theoretically is fourth one two four ottawa ottawa toronto ottawa oh i don't can't be toronto toronto doesn't have their detroit detroit's not gonna fall that far um detroit's guaranteed top four (laughs) what's that is that is worse than edmonton getting all those picks all first overall picks all those years it's gotta be. For That's the, just like it's like a it's a comedy, like it, that. It just makes the league look like a joke. By the way, um, just for um, uh, perspective sake, talking about Edmonton in the draft, uh, everybody's saying we got to cheer for Edmonton now because obviously the condition with Mike Green's pick. Nope, no, no, we don't. Because you want to maximize the second round. You want to maximize the second round pick, so you want them to free fall. Even though I like the Oilers, so I don't actually want that to happen, but. By what's going to be better for Detroit, Edmonton free-falling is the best-case scenario. And that If that pick is pick 45 as opposed to pick, like, 60? I'd rather the pick go up from 52 to 45 than a fourth to a third. Yeah, and that's something that we missed last episode. Um, all right, pick four. We've had some time before we, since we've talked about prospects. Stutzla and Raymond, and I'm not changing that. Stutzla first, then Raymond? No, I still go Raymond first, but either one of them's fine. So pick three, you go Raymond? Yeah. What, where are we picking Fourth. right now? Fourth in this one. Raymond or Holtz. Raymond or Holtz. And are you assuming assuming Stutzel's gone? Yeah. Okay. And if Stutzel's there, how do you go? Then I take him. Stutzel. Uh, yeah. Rossi's still there for me. I think you've made a lot of good points that we've maybe been overlooking Raymond just because he hasn't been the hot topic lately. And I know his minutes have been um, capped which isn't entirely his fault. Um, in a more difficult league. If Stutzel's there, I go Stutzel at four. If it's Raymond and Rossi, it's a coin flip for me. I still like, yeah, Rossi's small. And what's the last time a, a center that small can do everything both ways has panned out? 
Mitch Marner is a good example. He's a winger, but still. I'm still going Rossi there, but it's by a hair. And if you ask me again in 10 seconds, it might be Lucas Raymond. You need to fix your mic. It's going uh, from. Oh, boy. It's getting erect. <laughs> it is. It's because I'm talking about Marco Rossi. That's why. Fair enough. Um, the I hate simming these lotteries. When was the last one that we did that Detroit won? Have we had one that they got first? We've had seconds and thirds. Ugh. Uh, Ugh. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, it's still going to be a miracle if we win the draft lottery. Like legitimately a miracle. Are you doing it again, Brad? Yeah. Where's the? I can't see the cursor. It's like a drug. Yeah. Until you get what you want, and you're like, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we did it again. First overall pick by way of San Jose, Ottawa. Second overall pick, Ottawa. Third overall pick, LA. No. How? Why? <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> I want to make sure this isn't a glitch where that's just the only one coming up. All right. We're going to do it again. Yeah. And there you go. Do we win? Yes. Uh. And Ottawa's drafting four or five in this one. Detroit, Minnesota, LA is literal best case scenario. I'm, I am going to punch so much air guaranteed on draft on uh, draft lottery day. We're going to be in here. I'm going to remove everything breakable. I'm going to put in a uh, plexiglass wall between us and the TV so we can't break the TV. And each of us is getting boxing gloves. And if we hit each other, we hit each other. But I'm just going to... Forget boxing gloves. I already told you. If it goes... I forget what the scenario was. But let's say if it goes Ottawa, Ottawa, I'm throwing that laptop through that window. Yeah, I just had a great idea. Oh, no, please. No. God. You know how expensive MacBooks are? Way too expensive. They don't need our advertising either. They certainly don't. I had a great idea. We commissioned Steve <laughs> to make an LFR style post draft lottery video as if he was a Red Wings yeah, fan. We'll start the video. Hi, we're the Winged Wheel Podcast. We're currently very angry and we're not physically capable of expressing the anger coursing through our veins right now. So, in our place, we present to you Steve Dangle. And then we just leave screen. And we yeah. have it and screams for 10 minutes. We'll leave the house. We won't come back for 24 hours. And then we'll just see what we, we have to work with. Yeah. Oh, Steve, man. Steve, you have artistic uh, reign. Uh, edit, crop, post, however you like. He has vocal range. Yep. Someone did an octave analysis of his post uh, David Ayers LFR, and he hit a higher note than I think Mariah Carey ever has. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's actually maybe one of the best artistic ideas we've ever had. Um, offload the artistic ideas. All right. We are going to head into overtime and on this uh, midweek episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. Uh, that is exclusive to Patreon, uh, where our supporters uh, get their comments read out as our way of saying thanks. Brad, you're going to like this one. Um, it's Everett and it's his um, uh, revisionist wrangle. Uh, you've already won. I think I think you've already won. He He's told me he can't wait to say what the prize is. And I am horrified of how jealous I'm going to be of it because Everett does cool things. Everett says, howdy, boys. I have one final revisionist wrangle for you, so saddle up. This is for all three of you, and I will be the judge. One of you is already pretty far ahead. so And we knew that before because Brad always gets it. Anyways, uh, so this particular wrangle comes out as more of a formality to make the total number work. With the recent events being what they have been, this question is quite apropos. Could you have, uh, if you could have back one player that Detroit has traded away, no questions asked, and you still got to keep what you traded them for, who do you take back and why? Much appreciation as per usual and looking forward to hanging out with everyone in Grand Rapids. Okay. This could be a lot of things. So what one am I taking? You can pick anyone. So basically I get to take back the trade 
You get to take back the player, but you get to keep the return. I gotta. I, I need to think. You can. Oh go- my God! Could you imagine the long-term outlook of the Detroit Red Wings right now with Andre Vasilevsky? No, no, no. But they traded a pick. That wasn't the player. Oh, okay. The player they that's, traded away. That's less fun. Yeah. Um. um oh God. The last Gustav Nyquist. It, like all our picks lately have been for uh, all our trades have been for picks. Like. You have to go back a while. I'm looking yeah, at I'm NHL thinking, trade. I'm track. thinking like early 2000s at this point. Nyquist and Tatar are the last good players that they've traded away. Um, so, you can make an argument for Yanmark or Yarncroft. We're not. We can't talk about picks, right? Because like no picks. Because I would happily keep Tatar and then have a first, second. I think third. picks. I think picks are off the board. I think Tatar would be. If you're not going too far back, Tatar would be a really good one because a first, second, and a third for free, and you get to keep Tomas Tatar, means this team's probably still coming in last place, Man. but it's a little bit more exciting well, our, to watch. We already know who the premium piece out of that trade is. It's Joe Valeno. Right? I'm still taking Vasilevsky over him. Oh, that's right. We're not doing picks. Yeah, we're not doing picks. Because if we're doing picks, it's Vasilevsky. Hands down about it. I keep pick 19, and I take Vasilevsky. There's who did, was that the no Kyle, qualms was that the in my head about that. Trade? That was a Kyle Quincy trade. Yeah, we get, oh, what do you mean? We get to keep a top three goalie in the entire NHL? Oh, no, please try and talk me out of that one. You know what? The Red Wings really don't trade away good players. No, they don't. I traded Terry struck. Sawchuck. <laughs> there we go. Keep Terry Sawchuck. That's Evan's answer. Mine's, Brad's taking Vasilevsky. I'll take Tomas Tatar because, fine. This is why you care. I don't even care about keeping Kyle Quincy. I want Vasilevsky. This is why you win the revisionist wrangle so much because your recall is nuts and you always think of weird stuff like that. And I traded Adam Oates too, apparently. Wasn't he old when they traded him? Yeah. I think. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Yakaruta says in the last episode, you thought about who's the last steal. You missed this question. And Evan and I thought about this and they said, who's the last steal by the wings in a draft that they currently have playing? And our only answer that we can come up with was Timashov because he was drafted in the fourth. Uh, it was Athanasiu. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nyquist was also late. Tatar was last pick of the second round. Those were good. We didn't. We didn't. We only included current roster. Oh, Good God! Only current roster yeah. steals, like, yeah. and they have to be drafted by the Red Wings. No, there's yeah, I guess yeah. And our best answer was someone who wasn't drafted by the Red Wings. Oh man, okay, call me absolutely crazy, but I think this is like, does it have to be late round draft steal or just steal in general? I think I think a steal means like third or later. Does it? Because I'm going to say because you go back and look at the, uh, I think it was the 2013 draft. Anthony Mantha at 20 is insane. That doesn't count. I don't first think. Round I don't think count. first round counts. Yeah, that that's anyway. I was, fair. He, he goes on to say, Heronic. Uh, yeah, Heronic is probably late nice second answer. round. Uh, well, I went to Hockey DB for the answer, and it's Christopher N. Drafted in the fourth round. Prior to that, we drafted Yan Mark in the third, but he never played for us. Every other player we've drafted and has made the roster was drafted in the first two rounds. Maybe we've been bad at drafting. I made that argument before on here. You're on to something there. Cody G says, I may have to ask you guys to start doing daily podcasts. We've been under partial quarantine in Mongolia for about a month due to coronavirus. Jesus. Working from home and the government's consistently shutting down more and more forms of recreation. Like Great Wall of China didn't really work. <laughs> <way it was. laughs> Limiting the public gatherings. Borders have been closed and most international flights canceled. These circumstances are supposed to increase. Evan is by far the funniest <laughs> out of all of us, right? <laughs> I, I know. 
Um, they're supposed to increase for at least another month, but I suspect, suspect it'll extend beyond that. <clears throat> Calling for support from the dub dub community in the forms of suggestions for podcasts, books, and other forms of self-entertainment. Uh, at the very least, have a drink or pour out libations in honor of the only Lonely Wings fan in Mongolia. Uh, on another note, I think the league will have to invest some better cameras to reduce the speed blur of that near Athanasio McDavid and Ennis line in Edmonton. Also, congrats to the Crisco family on such an awesome experience at the game the other day. Harun Khan uh, mentioned the Sveshnikov going to Russia uh, rumor, but since he posted that, it was nixed. Uh, Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, looking at a couple of comments today. <clears throat> One, I very thought we got a fair return for Athens CU. I know we had first on the mind, but looking at the reactions around the league, not only did many think we got a fair return, some, including several Edmonton fans, think Edmonton overpaid. If they miss the playoffs, a 42nd overall pick this year is as valuable to us as a late first next. Two, I'm very much pro analytics and broadcast. My career is in this field, admittedly, but heat maps and player positional data discussed and shared effectively could very easily help out casual or fringe players, or sorry, uh, fringe uh, fans uh, who find the game fast and hard to understand. We're moving that way regardless, so might as well find better ways to articulate it. Let's not be limited by tradition and crappy commentators. Overall, great coverage of the trade deadline. Thanks for grinding it out. A for effort, not Athanasiu. Brad, I hope your D3 amateur club sports ball game went well on Monday. Cheers. Let's go Red Wings. Oh, we won like A2. It was, it was a <coughs> shit kicking. Um, I, I agree with you on the analytics. I'm pro it, but as you mentioned, the current group of commentators... <laughs> They will not properly convey it because they don't understand it themselves. There was, a, I forget who it was. I think it was one of the big prominent Buffalo Sabres beat writers today was like, was uh, sounding off on analytics. What even is an expected goal? Like, because how do you explain? It's it, a shot on net from the home plate area, you dipshit. It's not that hard to understand. They said, who's even expecting these goals? And the obvious answer is everyone. And the only answer I could think of that I wanted to tweet was your mother. Like, what a stupid thing to say, and that deserves that response. No, I literally, like, I, that was one of those tweets I had typed out and deleted, but... Uh, <laughs> it was because you like, had your mother typed out, right? No, I was, I literally had what I just said typed out. I'm like, it's literally a shot on net from a good area. It's not hard to understand, you dumbass. <laughs> but yeah, so it was just like, if you don't like analytics, that's fine. I hate the people who are anti-analytics and vocal about it. Listen... You're too stupid to understand it. That's not our problem. And I'm not even an analytics guy. I just read them to reference my own arguments. Josh Terrell says, Dub Dub, seeing as we are the bad contract cabana and going nowhere for a few years, do you agree we should target bad contracts slash asset packages? Yes. yes. Vancouver comes to mind as they are in win now mode and on the verge of cap hell. Thanks as always. If they if Vancouver wins around in the playoffs, they're going to keep buying, at which point you would definitely take Louis Erickson from them in exchange for something good. Uh, Adam Flett Denko said, when they retain Mark when they resign Markstrom. Adam Flett says with the focus now clearly on the draft, what are the other free talents we can target from college and or abroad? There were some Swedish rumors. I remember a D last year and we got two college kids. It got me thinking uh, is all. Building through the draft and free additions is the only tactic we have with no tradable assets. Corey Pronman came out with his list of college players. Oh, I missed that. Um, college and European free agents, all the best ones do have their rights owned by a team. Now those players can elect to become free agents until that loophole is closed in the next CBA, but it looks like they are going to be going to those teams. Um, I did make note of them and we will be chatting about them. 
uh, in a little bit um, while that deadline is coming up or the, around the time where they start to sign those players. But there's not really a Danny DeKaiser type coming out this year, I don't think. Um, and I say that unironically. Jethro E says, Guten Tag, hockey sirs. Does anyone still feel good that their team didn't lose to their AHL official affiliate Zamboni driver because I still feel good that our team didn't lose to our AHL Zamboni driver on r slash hockey there's a thread about naming every hockey team after an iconic food found in their city Detroit was named the Detroit square pizza but clearly that commenter is a casual we all know the Detroit Coney dogs yes absolutely uh, are the real Detroit delicacy of choice yeah it's the Coney dogs it's not aren't the uh, part of my ignorance but aren't there Coney dogs everywhere yeah but Detroit's are good but are they, Did they is invent that their them food? though? Because I think that was the thing. Was it inventions? Yeah, I think it was like the origin the of the Detroit food. Lafayette Coney dogs. A Detroit style Coney dog. Uh, Anything la- from smokes. Lastly, I know the wings are a wheel team bad, but I'm amazed that Hughes got away with kneeing fabs with zero supplemental discipline. The fine on Hayden was also pathetic. The Department of Player Safety might as well be called the dopes because you can't spell dopes without d-o-p-s thanks for reading my nonsense you ontario buttes go wings and firk the maple leafs just your average teach says what is up dub dub host how's it going in the wheelhouse i recently showed a friend who's a blues fan your podcast now he won't stop saying my moist sweet bippy <laughs> dear god and asking me where's terry dylan larkin has been turning on lately with 21 points in the last 24 games what do you guys think has changed for him been a roller coaster of a season regressing to the means a hell of a thing uh, I think Dylan Larkin's been playing good hockey all year. Not his best season, but I don't think he's been bad. Um, when you're one of the only defensively responsible forwards who can produce, your production's going to dip. So like Brad said, regression back up to the mean. By the way, that first goal he scored at the game against Calgary was disgusting. Gross. Like live. Oh, my God. The, oh, my God. It happened right in front of us. It was unreal the, how fast he was moving. I love the crossbody finish above the goalie's shoulder so much. It is just pure like hockey goal scoring on a rush porn like they protect the puck and then over the goalie's shoulder as he's moving the other way it's like cheating it's basically the mcdavid at this point it, it is because you have to be a certain level of fast and skill to do it and mcdavid's like automatic and he does it like 30 times a year Brian says, hope all is well with everyone. I've been looking into this year's draft class a lot, and I really like Marco Rossi. I would love the wings to pick first, but this guy would be an awesome pick at four. Not really a question, but just wanted to be more positive about our inevitable fourth overall pick. Anyways, thanks for all the great episodes. You're right, and that's the angle to take. Stutzla, Raymond, Rossi, Drysdale. It's a it's a smorgasbord at four. Dead Panda Society says, so I want to make an AHL roster for the wings and change everyone's uh, overall on the wings. But what overall would you give the players in this team? Sorry if it's too much. The game has Fabry at 79, but Abby is 77. Give Abby nothing higher than a 60. I don't play video games, so I don't know what a good ranking is here. It's from 1 to 100. If yeah, McDavid's but I don't know what the average is. Like, I think Fab- it's, it's 79, usually, like a league average. I think it's usually like no, higher sorry. than you would expect it to be. Like I remember Erickson was like an 83. Really? I think 79 is a good player. 79, that's like a B plus. Yeah. Like that, I would, I would see that and go, that's really good for Fabry. Yeah. Awesome. You know, what I've been learning is uh, the American grading system, how tough it is. In 88 was like a B plus, I think. And I was like, oh my God. Either the tests are too easy or it ruins genius. Yeah. Uh, I'll be sending a pic of the Monopoly board I have signed on Discord if you want to see. Uh, 
going through the whole team might take a bit of time. We could save that for a Patreon exclusive, put a pin in that, but we definitely should go through and rate the whole team. We also are going to do uh, NHL videos. Uh, we're going to be playing you guys online and maybe like get Steve and some other people to do it. Um, what? What? Yeah. I, uh, what did I you just... I do not own a video game console. I refuse to support electronic arts. It's right there. Well, I don't want to be here any more than I have to. <laughs> Sam M says, I was going to share my disturbing facts with you this week, but that got too depressing. Looking at how much Helm, Nielsen, and Abdelkader are making in comparison to actual NHL lines. It got bad when I saw how close they were to the Bruins' top line, and I gave up. So, on to better things, like that first goal Larkin scored against Calgary on Sunday. That looked an awful lot like some of the goals that I've seen McDavid score, and that is just awesome. Is that just you? Because you and Sam think the exact same way. Uh Uh-oh. Good man. Uh, Liz B Sam could go either way mentioned the Svechnikov reports. Um, also, I'm sure the next trade deadline, there's going to be more teams who want Glenn Denning or more rumors, but honestly, I hope they do trade him next year. That would give him two playoffs on a team that can actually win. His contract expires after next season. He'll be a rental next year for whoever takes him. That teams will like that. No, that's a good thing, but of all the older guys on this team, he's the one that I personally want to see the win, win the most. Uh, okay, so it turns out the Sveshnikov thing isn't true, but they still need to call him up for that game. Uh, yes, they absolutely do. Against Carolina, please call him up to play against his brother. Just give his parents. And Washington, Just give us, give us a reason to be entertained. That's all I ask. Get, uh, hopefully, Wes McCauley's uh, roughing that game. But you know, uh, Blashill, he'll, he'll put him in the press box. Uh, Brendan Cassell says, Hey, dub dubs, year long listener, first time patron. Glad I have, uh, glad to have a group as addicted to this horrendous team as I am. Thank you so much for supporting the show, Brendan. Uh, that said, I'm still trying to understand the Athanasia trade. And despite coming to grips with, uh, grips with its probable necessity, still can't shake the feeling that it was pro- uh, poorly handled. Many fans point to the fact that Athanasia had every chance to succeed and failed, that he was consistent in his production. Every chance to succeed with who? Glenn Denning? Helm? Those were his. Two most common line mates over the last two seasons. Inconsistent, sorry. Uh, after doing some research using the line charts from each game day Athens you participated in, I found his common line mates. 51% of the games with Glenn Denning as a center are weighing in 47% with Philpula. His two uh, next most common were Fabry and Nielsen at 21 and 17, respectively. You How on earth throw. is he supposed to produce at this natural level, at his natural level, when his line mates would categorize his fourth liners at best on most contending teams? Hero. I also think he does well off the cycle. Uh, Athens you, or so I also think Fabry, while good, wasn't a proper complement to his strengths. Fabry is a slower, more methodical player who does well off the cycle. Athens you is much better off the rush with line mates who also excel off that. Uh, he played with two aging slow fourth liners, an effective fourth liner, and Fabry. He had less games with one of the one of Mantha or Larkin than he played with Hiroshi, someone who's been in Grand Rapids for months. Oh, he's coming in with the heat here. Uh, on top of this, stats say that out of the two picks we received, we are only 67% likely to receive a player who plays somewhere between 200 and 400 games. Brad could kiss you right now. Uh, this would make the player worse in Athens CU. The percentage of this player is as good would be less. We didn't need cap space. We have something around $32 million coming off the books over two years, and the cap ceiling will increase. He can't want to make a defensive splash as D-men don't make it to the open market that are worth it, so freeing up the space makes little sense. Why so eager to trade Athens CU? Uh, Amen. The reasons we mentioned before, I won't get into it with Brad again because um, I don't necessarily disagree with everything, but... The gist of it is, and this is the assessment you get from the team, their evaluation of him was two seconds. They probably didn't see him uh, as a long-term part of the team for one reason or another, and they probably feel like he wouldn't get back to his 30-goal value again. 
Uh, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, a Fournier company, says, Sup, stud studs. Gotta tell you, I'm content with the Athanasia return, especially considering that the offer Stevie got from Holland was apparently better than the one from Yarmo Kekalina in Columbus. He's going to thrive on McDavid's wing, but hell, man, I could strap, strap on a pair of skates and pot at least five on McDavid's wing. And I have sciatica, recurring back spasms, and I'm tired and I got gas. That's a whole mood right there. Homerisms aside, Athanasiu was never going to fetch what we wanted for him, and waiting until the draft might have put more pressure on Stevie. Ideally, of course, I'd want more, especially when Broccoli freaking Goodyear got a first. Holy Toledo. Interesting that Stevie turned down offers for Glenn Denning. Also interesting, no offers for either goalie. About to purchase tickets for the season finale. This will be my first dub dub meetup. Any potential group rate, or does everyone just buy their own tickets? Get your cheese bags ready. Uh, I wish we could get group rates. We'll be giving away two. Well, let me get back to you on that. Uh, what's the uptick on what's with the uptick of podcast trolls? Are fellows being bullied? Do I need to beat up someone in the schoolyard at recess? Stay fresh, cheese bags. People troll us. I think. You I think it's check a, Twitter to know. Yeah. I don't read anything people say to me. <laughs> Evan Beckner says, "Hey guys, I'm thinking I'm going to go buy a nice suit and become a Twitter hockey analyst." <laughs> Chris says, uh, "Hey, I've heard you guys talk about the Hurricanes as a model for a good rebuild to possibly emulate after looking at the Sabers who are currently having the, uh, having a long playoff drought. What should we try to avoid in their model? They have top end talent and some superstars. What are some of the troubling things you've seen out of that club that the Red Wings need to avoid to have a shorter rebuild and make the playoffs? Hopefully, in about four or five years, uh, don't trade away Ryan O'Reilly." Don't give $9 million to Jeff Skinner. Um, yeah, really try to not trade away Ryan O'Reilly. Who? What was the question? How, what do we do to not turn out like Buffalo and more like Carolina? Don't trade one of your key top six forwards like a Ryan O'Reilly or a Andreas Athanasi. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He's not, not quite the same thing there. Uh, great podcast. Keeps me involved in talking about hockey and the wings make me feel at home, even living in a small city in Texas. Thanks for everything, guys. Let me know if I missed the cutoff. Oh, no, you're good. There's uh, small things in Texas. Yeah, right. Uh, the Real Terry says, good day, dud duds. Mercifully, only 16 more games after we play the forgettable Minnesota franchise whose jerseys suck. Uh, wow, do I disagree? Well, mercifully, we may not be the right. Uh, mercifully, may not be the right word because the schedule is very hashtag ungood. Anyways, enough of this season. Bust out the crystal ball and throw a few predictions out there for some big offseason moves. Be as bold as you'd like. Buyouts, offer sheets, players being re-signed or traded. Anything to distract us from the season. Um, nothing. They sign a backup goalie, and I think their big splash in free agency will be Eric Gustafson. Uh, my hot take is that they take on a bad contract and get a really good asset out of it. Can't lie. I wasn't listening. You just think of what we just said. I said hot take. Hot take for who? The Red Wings? Who did the Red Wings sign in the offseason? Get bold. Uh, get weird. Um. Oh, geez. That's too late for me. I should have oh, paid attention. Geez. Sorry. Jer- my mom texted me. That takes precedence. The Jersey Time. You, oh, tell Martha we say hi. No. Jersey Time says, you can bring back a Caps throwback. Which one are you bringing back? The Screaming Eagle, the Black and Copper one, or the 2015 Winter Classic? Safe. Screaming Eagle, and it's not a debate. I can't remember what those look like. Which one's the 98 Red? 98 Cup Finals when they lost to the Red Wings. Which ones are the red ones with the stars on them? That's that the... Does that say Washington or Capitals? I think that's the... Or is that their current third jersey? That's their current third. Oh, well, that, that doesn't work then. Sorry, the... Which Winter Classic? You were the one who asked the question. The big W, buddy. Oh, the W for me. I love let me, the W. Let me see it. 
Uh, where is Show it? Show the Screaming Eagle, because that's the correct answer. The Screaming Eagle is this one. You know, if you were smart, you could just project it up onto the TV, and uh, we'd look like uh, yeah. 21st century things. Yeah, this is the Screaming Eagle. I like that one. That one's fun. I like the big W. The W for me is the one that I'm a, a huge fan of. Uh, I like simple jerseys like that. Like I loved Ottawa's O jerseys when they came out. Um, Shay says, I saw something the other day stating that Zadina will be eligible for the Griffins for their potential playoff run. Do we know who else on Detroit's roster will be eligible for said playoff run? I thought he had to be sent down before the deadline to be eligible. I think there's an exception because he was on IR. Oh, perfect. Uh, Lindstrom as well. Yeah. And every, everyone else that they want down in the AHL is already there, I believe. Well, not Chalowski now, technically. But yeah, he was, he can be sent back down. Uh, Nick says, hey there, dud duds. Ryan, between the Bertuzzi stuff and the Pronger stuff, Twitter hacks really love you lately eh yeah what'd you say about pronger uh pronger uh, you know um uh the guy willie nylander scored the between the legs goal for toronto recently Mm -hmm. in front and just like dummied the goalie in the defense pronger um came out and said was like oh if that was me i'd like to hand him i can pull up the full quote it's actually kind of like ridiculous that he said this um he said uh, he's going to get a nice hard two-hander across the gloves just where the padding ends so I was able to get all bone and meat. Maybe he'd learn his lesson. That doesn't surprise me in the least. And uh, I quoted that, and I also stated, unrelated, like apropos of nothing, Chris Pronger worked in the NHL Department of Player Safety until 2017. So yeah, but he doesn't anymore. He doesn't anymore. He's... Uh, He's a the Minnesota Wild just scored. Uh, he's a senior hockey advisor for the Panthers because he wants to retire in Florida. That doesn't surprise me about Pronger. Like that shouldn't surprise anyone. But what? Oh, that'll teach him his lesson. Why? That he dummied you. If you don't want to get scored on, don't get scored on. I'm gonna break this guy's wrist. Stupid. Anyways. I mean, if I played in uh, an older era, I'd probably <clears throat> think the exact same way. So you can think about the the kind of replies that I got to that. Uh, Nick goes on to say, okay, so I've been, uh, I've always been against the idea of a buyout, but given what Eisman said about the timeline and making decisions about RFAs, UFAs, and even players with contracts, I'm no longer as sure there won't be one. I admit I could see Eisman giving Abby the choice between retiring or taking the buyout and trying to find another team. Thoughts? Um, I've been thinking about the buyouts as well, and I don't think they're impossible. You can just send them to the minors with less cap limitations. You don't save anything on the cap now, but you know what? It doesn't double the amount of time on the cap. You don't have to buy him out to get rid of him. This is what everybody needs to remember. Um, you think you'd clear waivers? <laughs> that I don't, was a joke. I don't know, man. <laughs> Cody Golubev didn't clear, clear waivers. So. Golo and Cholo. Golo and Cholo. Oh, tell me that's the pairing tonight. I, it's lefty righty it could work those everybody be- knows Golo and Cholo were bad cops <laughs> those are the only two healthy Red Wings defensemen right now so maybe Chris Gatchel says hey guys it's been quite a while since oh, it's 2 nothing wild uh, it's oh, been quite come on it's quite a while since I last commented I recently broke my hand in October playing men's league still out and had an MRI a couple weeks ago showing a torn ligament in the thumb and that the fracture still isn't he- healed after almost six months jeez looking at surgery most likely after a fluke play now that's just as depressing as this season as we all know but hey at least i live in grand rapids and can go watch a good team sometimes play for cheap my question for you guys is out of you three who is the best hockey player brad you can't vote for yourself i i will (laughs) i've never seen you play so i'll leave it at that i'll vote brad because he's the most practiced evan played at the highest level of all of us though Mm. right yes yeah Highest I played is double A. I play senior. 
You, no, senior A doesn't. You no, know, senior A does not count. We pull players from junior B, the OHL, University of Europe. It's good hockey. Beat your ass. I also vote for me. I vote for Ryan. I vote for the dog. Abby would be an atrocious hockey player. Abby, Strong net front presence because she'll never leave the goalie alone. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Abby fell asleep at the top of the stairs, and then I walked downstairs, and I was like, hey, Abby, let's go downstairs. And she got up and fell down a flight of stairs. She lives up to the name. <laughs> like, I Who would get more points this year over an 82-game season? Justin Abdelkader or Abigail are my dog? Um, distracting the goalie. Act as a backboard. Few get banked in offer. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap up this uh, midweek episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast. We'll be back on Sunday. We want to thank all of you for tuning in. Our name level sponsors, Terry, Curtis LaPrize, Dead Panda Society, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Mitchell Shinkowski, Aaron Taylor, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Mike Reed, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Ashley Van Conant, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Rob Thiel, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kwaz, Stan Olson, and of course, Daniel Rossi from RD Woodworking. Those are the people that make the Winged Wheel podcast happen. Think of them, say thank you to them, and we will see you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.